Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Helena Gibson. Helena, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Looking forward to this conversation. You know, Helena is a, a highly successful serial entrepreneur, truly, as you'll you'll see when I share with you her background. And as we get into the conversation, she's operating several businesses currently in the cosmetology and hair loss industry. And just as a point of fact, that the global hair care market is valued at about $91 billion worldwide in 2022. And the hair loss treatment products market is expected to grow to about $1.9 billion in 2023. So these are substantial markets that Helena has moved into, and we'll chat about that journey. So she's here to share her entrepreneur journey, including her experiences in these industries and how she developed her latest restorative hair care product. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including the show notes page for this episode, and how you can continue supporting my show and receive workshop discounts, join my monthly group coaching session, all of that through a Patreon membership. Just visit thehowabusiness.com. I also encourage you to subscribe wherever you're listening to the show so you don't miss any new episodes. So Helena is a licensed cosmetologist with over 18 years of experience in the hair loss industry. She's a certified wig and hair replacement specialist and also in seamless extensions. She also has certifications for men's hair replacement, women's hair augmentation, and medical hair loss. Helena is a serial entrepreneur, as I mentioned, creating uh, and the creator of the Seven Figure Salon Academy, the founder of Strut Hair Solutions, the founder of Unveil Restorative Hair Care. That's one of her more recent ventures. And she's a single mom doing all of this. She's also been the host of the Seven Figure Salon podcast. And the author of two books, one entitled Lead Like a Woman, Tales from the Trenches, and her other book is Secrets to Beautiful Hair. Helena lives in Solana. Is that how you pronounce it, Helena? Solana? Yeah, the store's in Solana Beach. Solana Beach. And that's uh, just north of San Diego, right? On the coast? Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Excellent. Well, with all of that said, Helena Gibson, welcome to the show. Thank you again. All right. I'd like to start at the beginning. I got lots of questions for you as we chatted about before we started. So I want to dive right into it. You, if I got it right, studied theater, literature, history, and criticism in college. What did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? I wanted to be Susan Lucci from All My Children. Is that right? You wanted to go into acting? Yeah, I wanted to be in soap operas. Yep. I see. And that was like, was that a childhood dream or aspiration? You know, I took some um, theater classes while I was in high school and got bit by the bug. But when I was a kid, I used to play grocery store all the time. Uh, somebody <laughs> in my family bought me a cash register. And who knew that that was what I was going to oh, end up doing? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Were there business owners in your immediate family or any influences that were close that were business owners? No, no business owners, but my mom was always into network marketing. So my mm. first job, I was eight and I used to vacuum the um, Avon Center. Ah, 
Very cool. <laughs> yeah. my, my mom sold Avon and Tupperware and many of those things as well. Yeah. Um, okay. So then what happens out of college? Did you try acting for a period of time and did it or what, what, what happens next? Yeah, I actually did quite a bit. I did a um, nationwide infomercial called Why Pay More. I was in our local plays to get the degree in theater. So I either crewed the show or was in the show. However, I um, got pregnant with my daughter. I think that was my sophomore year and had her my junior year. So of course, with that theater degree, you know, you get all the pressure of how are you going to support this baby? And um, they were right. But the funny thing is, is, the universe just has a way of working. And I think that having that theater degree means that I'm basically a chameleon into any situation. Mm. I can talk to people, which is why I think I'm so good in sales and Mm -hmm. managing my team is I can put myself in their shoes as we did for our roles, you know, when we were becoming that character and it gives you a great amount of empathy. So it funny enough served me very well. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So then around age 23, tell me about this Manhattan Motors opportunity. Yeah, you guys are good. You found everything about, <laughs> about me when I read the everything's on Everything's like, wow. on the internet, whether we like it or not, right? Right. Um, so as I mentioned, I had my daughter. And I'm sure your listeners will understand this, that I was working at Macy's. It was my first real big girl job outside of those little, you know, little ones in the mall that we have as a teenager for spending money. (laughs) And I was working in the men's fragrance and doing super well. And I think my daughter was two, almost three at the time. And she had something going on at her little daycare and I wanted to go to it. And they said, you can't go because we're having one of these secret sales that Macy's is known for that go from like nine at night till midnight. Hmm. And I you know, had asked for the time off and she's like, you're our best salesperson. I have to have you here. And I said, well, then I quit because I'm not coming. And at that moment, luckily I still lived with her dad. Yeah. So she must've been two and a half because we broke up right before she turned three. So I came home with no job and I had just finished school and I'm like, okay, now what am I going to do? So Manhattan Motors came because when I was in um, high school, I worked at a gas station and we had an auto repair shop attached to it. So I paid attention to what the owner would do on how the tickets were rang up that we had those um, accounts from Craig and Napa and how they were on net 30 and how all of those interims worked. And so I looked in the paper that next weekend after I quit Macy's and I saw that there was a um, empty auto repair space that was available in Clovis, California, which is the town next to Fresno. And I talked to the guy and got him to lease me the space and Hmm leased a bunch of hoists and compressors and opened those accounts with Napa and Craigan. And luckily some of them still knew me because those guys stay in those positions forever. And that's how Manhattan Motors was born. Wow. Okay. So I missed something there. So the, the, the uh, mechanic shop where you got the experience, how, how did you know them? Did you work there? I did. I missed something there. Oh, my mom had dated the guy. And so you so were, you job. were taking all, you were curious and you were taking all of that knowledge in. Is that what I'm understanding? Yes. yes. Interesting. What made you think that you could, were you a mechanic when you were younger? Did you work on cars? No. Um, but I ran the programs when you would come in with your car, there used to be a system called all data and I can punch in all the information about your car and it would tell me what parts, how long it was going to take, etc. 
So I took that over into Manhattan Motors and hired a mechanic. And then I went out and got overflow from all the dealerships. And I just basically managed it. So what I learned was when you got me away from that computer, I didn't know much. But you so knew, but you knew how to talk to people. You knew how to yes. sell people. You knew yes. how to nurture and build those relationships. Yes. Yes. Uh, how, what did you get the funding to start that business? I didn't. <laughs> um, I think we used my credit cards. Well, I'm almost sure we used most of my credit cards. And I actually had a partner with that first one. My mom came in with me where she was kind of the brains. It was my credit cards. We kind of teamed up together. And um, yeah, that's how we did it. Wow. And then what happened with that business? Did you sell it? Did you shut it down? What happened with it? Yeah, we shut that down. Um, after a year and a half, I had the mechanics go out one night and they were out partying. And um, we had a bunch of clients on the books that Saturday, because I'll never forget that they didn't show up the next day. Wow. And then we had to call them all and tell them we couldn't, we couldn't do it. And then that's when I figured out, okay, we're going to have to figure something else out. Okay. And um, yeah, that was a key lesson in that business. You were so dependent on this team that was not reliable. And that was an exposure. I'm sure that you never have put yourself in that position again. Oh, totally. Yeah. And that was the biggest lesson. So like with strut, once I started that, I went to beauty school after I had it about five years, even though I've never worked in a salon, I did that so that if anybody ever left, I could always step in and take over. I see. Yeah. You were more equipped, but so why the shift into the cosmetology industry? So at the time I had Manhattan motors, my mom was struggling with thinning hair just naturally. It wasn't medical. She just had thin mousy hair and she would go to the local wig shops and hair salons, and they would just do these horrendous things to her. And when she'd come home, I, I would tell her, I was like, wow, your hair looks horrible. What'd they do to you? Mm. And I didn't realize how that was taking such an effect on her self-esteem and how that made her feel. Yeah. And after I paid attention for a while, I realized that someone's hair is so much a part of their identity and that these shop owners at the time, which were mostly foreign, they were Korean owned because the government used to subsidize them back in the 60s. So in Fresno, all of the wig shops were owned by Koreans. Not that they were great people and all of that. They were good salespeople, but they missed one key point was the empathy of what this woman was going through and how critical that product was. And so when I started going in there with her, I saw that just one little spot that could just change the whole game. And then that's when I started with a kiosk in the Fresno mall, just to see if I could do it. <laughs> and I ended up falling in love with it. And people kept asking me for wigs and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, that's exactly how Strat Fantastic. was born. So there's a theme here that starts to evolve where you have been uh, very similar to myself, very, what I call an opportunistic entrepreneur. You're, you've been good at spotting an opportunity and then um, going after it when you see that there's an opportunity in the market, uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to often what we get. The reason this is such a big point for me is that often what we get told is that find something that you're passionate about, but Sure, there was a passionate component there in how it how it impacted your mom, but it's not like you grew up thinking I'm going to be a, a wig salesperson someday. You just found an opportunity here. You were passionate about the impact, but also passionate about this business opportunity. Is that fair? 
Oh, totally. Exactly. All right. So Strut, just to clarify, at least in, initially, and I don't know if that's still the case, focuses on wigs and other hair replacement components as our pieces. Is that correct? Yeah, our goal, and as you know, I, I mentioned, our goal was just to create an environment that women felt safe, they I felt see. heard, mm -hmm. and that we understand that this is more than just your hair, because right. we still struggle with that, even with nurse navigators and doctors, mm -hmm. they still look at it as cosmetic. This can change a woman's life. That's where the name walk in, strut out came from, was because they walk in feeling less than and not like themselves. And our job, my team's job is to make them feel amazing when they leave so that when they look in the mirror, they see Henry or they see Helena, whatever that image is for them, that's what reflects back. And then they can show up as amazing people in the world. Yeah, tremendously impactful. All right, you started with the location in Fresno around 2002. And then when did you go to Solana Beach? So as I mentioned, after I had the business for about five or six years, I fell in love with it. And I just couldn't imagine doing anything else because mm -hmm. with the auto repair shop, everybody looks at you like you're trying to scam them. You're right. trying to add stuff. I, I just came in for an oil change. And now you say I need a new radiator. Like mm -hmm. it's just a whole different environment where with this, I would be in Target in Fresno or something, and somebody would walk up to me and say, you've changed my life. You made going through cancer so much easier. They bring cookies, gifts, like all this. And I just felt so good that I was making a difference in how someone felt about themselves and who doesn't want to do that. So that's when I went to beauty school. Well, that took me two years because I was running my business and at school. And while I was sitting there, I learned how to run my business remotely because oh. you have to put in 1600 hours in person. And for the part-time students, you have 24 months to finish or then they charge you again. Mm. So at that time I still didn't have a lot of money so I couldn't afford the overtime. So I was there. And that's when I started thinking about how does McDonald's do it? How does Subway do it? How do these places run these businesses with the owners not in there? And so I started systematizing and putting a handbook together, et cetera. And anyway, that's how I decided to come to open another location because I wasn't in my store and it kept running. Now I looked at the map, Solana beach and Fresno, or it's not like they're right next door. So, um, how do you manage that now? Obviously, you're relying on these systems that you've put in place. I got to believe you've got leadership at each location. How do yes. you divide your time then between the two locations? Well, the cool thing is now is I've been gone for 12 years. And originally when I moved, yeah, and there's quite a bit of space, as you said, I'm six hours to eight hours by driving and an hour by a flight. And when I came down here, it was really to franchise and I had to get far enough away to prove that if you, Henry, wanted to buy one of my franchises, you didn't say, well, it's because you're in there, right? Huh. Which, yep. which is what a lot of people think. Well, it's because of you. Mm -hmm. So I had to go far. And originally I was going to go to San Jose and had found a location, et cetera, because that's where my family's from originally. And then I came down to San Diego to a friend's birthday party and I fell in love with the area and she actually worked for one of the wig manufacturers at the time. And she said, you know, there's nothing like what you've created. 
Hmm. You would do so well here, the quality of life and et cetera. So I came a couple weeks later and stayed at her place for about a week with my daughter and the rest was history. I moved in wow. nine months later. Well, are you still looking at potentially doing franchising in the future or what's, what's the thought there? For me, no, because um, first off, California is a horrific state for business. Um, and for franchises, especially, they have a lot of rules, a lot of regulations, and really it wasn't going to end up being profitable enough. And at that time, I didn't have my own products. So basically, there wasn't a lot that was proprietary. So it, it would have been a harder pitch on why should they buy Strut versus starting their own. Okay. So speaking of product, that must be one of the reasons or one of the things that led you to Unveil, which is your latest venture? Yeah. Unveil Restorative Hair Care is my next 20 years now. That's my <laughs> my new baby, my little yep. toddler. Um, <laughs> so what happened was is when COVID hit, I'd been in business about 19 years and they shut my doors as they did everybody's. And that's a really crazy awakening because I had my daughter her senior year in college that I'm paying for. I'm You're talking about because of COVID. Business. Yeah, exactly. So I had all these like costs going on and my, my doors were shut. And so for about three days, like everybody else, I'm in the shower crying, like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then I, I, I came up with some different things. So one is, is I let go of my, my establishment license as a salon. And I have not brought those back. We were able to stay open as durable medical equipment. So mm. for cranial prosthesis. I see. Because as entrepreneurs and business owners, there's always going to be something. So you have That's to right. be, you know, you got to cry for a second or whatever mm -hmm. you do. And then you got to get back up. And this is something that I could not control, right? The, the, the door being shut, but I could control, okay, if I'm, if I'm a salon, let that go. How can I become an essential business? Well, I didn't realize I was because I was billing for cranial prosthesis. And three days later, we were open again. Wow. Yeah, that's, then, that was a major pivot. And, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's so critical ahead. that you make this point because I we talked about this a lot on the show as COVID was happening that... Uh, and listen, I, I know plenty of people listening who their businesses did not survive, so I get it. But yes. I think that it ended up being the ultimate test as to whether you're really an entrepreneur or not, because this is it was an exaggerated version of it. But this is what happens to us as business owners, as you're pointing out. This was an a, a, a amplified version of it. Let's hope it doesn't happen again. But this is what we're challenged with as business owners, right? Yes. Yes. Is being nimble not being so rigid and like, you know, what you did yesterday might not be able to be what you do today. So don't fall in love with that is what I took from it. Yeah. And so then I, I started, you know, soul searching and I'm like, I'm the best salesperson that I personally know. So why am I schlepping other people's stuff? Why am I not selling my own thing, building my own team? Because I also, during that time, right before COVID, had become a, like a, an educator for a couple of the different manufacturers where they'd fly me all around the country and I'd go teach other hair replacement studios how to increase their volume, make more sales, which the vendors then would sell more product. Well, they'd pay me one time, but they would keep making money over and over from the stuff I taught. Right. So 
I, I was thinking, I've got to do something that's for myself and that they can never shut my doors again. And then that's when I came up kind of with Unveil. My mom had been watching that show, Shit's Creek. And love, the love that of, show, by the way. <laughs> right. Well, the wig set her free. That's right. The whole wig thing. <laughs> yeah. The whole wig thing. Okay. So Henry, so she called me and she said, I want you to send one of your wigs to Catherine O'Hare because she's wearing <laughs> all these wigs in the show, blah, blah, blah. And I said, why would I do that? They're not mine. Aha. And then that was the light bulb. So not yes. only had my business been shut like three months earlier, even though I'd opened it, but still like the government shut my business. My mom's trying to tell me to send somebody product that I didn't, I didn't create it. I just sell it. And then within about four months, I realized my next largest skew besides wigs was hair growth products. Mm. And then I started like meditating on, okay, what do the people like? What don't they like? Well, they don't like that there's synthetic ingredients. They don't like that there's shellfish in it. They, you know, all the things they hated. And then I thought about all the things they did love. And I took all that together. And then I started looking for formulators, chemists, and did a bunch of research there, how to mix products, what products help with hair growth, et cetera. And then that's how Unveil was born. Wow. And that process that you've just summarized there in a couple of sentences, uh, how long are we talking about that took from, okay, I'm going to do a uh, restorative hair, hair product to I've got the first product to put on the shelf. That was two years. And those were very hard years. Uh, investment wise that where did, did you just reinvest money you had made from your other businesses? Did you get a loan? How did you fund all of that research and development? Sure. That's a great question. So a couple different things. Um, one is, is we all got PPP because I had 12 employees at the time. So that yep. definitely helped fund unveil. Great. Um, I took out an idle loan like everybody else. Yep. So that helped. So luckily okay. strut was still trucking right along. So I mm -hmm. took that money and used it to invest, but where the challenges and with every new business venture is that learning curve and the disappointment. So I hired my first formulator and then that didn't work out. Then I hired another formulator, then that didn't work out. So I'm on my third formulator who is amazing. And that finally worked. But every step you're just like, maybe I'm not meant to do this to stick mm -hmm. with what you already know. You've already been doing this so long. You're good at it. And you just have to have that mental replay over and over of this is not my next 20 years. This is not how I see my life now. So you're just going to have to keep going. And it's, it's almost like a diet. You know, you, you, you diet for three weeks. The scale doesn't move. You're like, oh, frick it. I'm going to eat like 18 donuts. And then <laughs> what did you just do? You know, and it's the same thing with this. And so I just kept getting knocked in so many ways as I was trying to learn this whole new industry. And even today, so that was the long answer that took me two years landed. And then I still keep getting hits because it, it's so new e-commerce. This is our first Black Friday. Um, and last year should have been our first Black Friday, but the pallet didn't come till October. So oh we didn't have gosh. enough time to build our email list. And so it's just, so then again, last year, I'm like, well, should I really do this? Well, I just missed Black Friday. And, you know, in the e-commerce game, that's the whole thing. So so for your listeners with a business or starting it, I mean, my, you're going to get hit over and over and over. And, and I think for me, my superpower and the only reason I've been successful, especially with a degree in theater, is I just don't stop. 
your perseverance. Okay. Do you think that's always been your personality or did you have to develop that perseverance? No, I've always been, I've always been very high energy. That's another superpower. Um, I'm extremely high energy. I'm very focused. And when I put my mind on something, I mean, I'll just keep going. But, but, but nonetheless, though, if we go back, for example, early on to Manhattan Motors, because this is the tricky part I want to find out for someone like yourself. When do you decide, all right, it really, I, I got to cut my losses here and pivot. Uh, well, why did you not pull the, pull the plug on this uh, a year and a half into it? You know, after the second formulator didn't work out, why did, what was it that kept you driven? So Manhattan Motors had a bunch of other things as everything does. I had a three-year-old running around the shop under these hoists with cars up on them because she was still little. Mm -hmm. We had to open at seven in the morning. We closed at seven at night. So you could pick mm -hmm. up your car before work, close after. There were more things yeah. than just the, that was. So for me, it's always the final straw. It's it's that death by a thousand cuts. And then sure. finally you, you hit an artery. Okay. So Manhattan Motors didn't just close from that one thing. That was kind of the catalyst, mm -hmm. but there were a lot of things going on. Plus seeing my mom with that other thing. And I'm like, wow, I could do that. Wow. The hours would be so much cushier because the wig shop were open from 10 to five, five days a week. So I could raise my daughter. Yeah. This is Henry Lopez with a brief break from this episode to share a special offer from our new show sponsor, Relay. Relay is an online banking and money management platform for a small business. As a small business owner, you need banking that's truly built for your small business. No more fees, no minimum balances, no more bookkeeping problems come tax season, and no more branch visits to complete basic banking tasks. Now you can take control of your money with Relay, an online banking and money management platform that puts you in complete control of your cash flow. First, there are no account fees, no overdraft fees and no minimum balances, which means you get to keep more of your hard-earned money. And Relay is the official banking partner for Profit First. So you can set up multiple checking and savings accounts and automate their percentage-based allocations using smart transfer rules. Relay also allows you to make unlimited payments via ACH, wires, or checks, earn interest on every spare dollar with Relay savings accounts, provide secure read-only access to your accountant and bookkeeper, and speed up bookkeeping with reliable bank feeds that sync directly into QuickBooks Online and Xero. Best of all, it takes less than 10 minutes to apply online and it's absolutely free. And as a special offer to the How of Business listeners, sign up for Relay using the link on the show notes page for this episode and you'll also get $50 added to your account once you fund your new account. You can find the link to the show notes page in the description for this episode. Relay customer deposits are FDIC insured through their partner bank, Thread Bank, member FDIC. Please see the show notes page for this episode at thehowabusiness.com for more details. Okay, so so those other factors, where you were in life, that impacts obviously as it does all of us as to what we're yes. willing to sacrifice or not sacrifice or the environment yes. that, that fits our lifestyle, all of those components come into play. And at this point, of course, as you're developing Unveil, you know this market very well. So you have high confidence that what you were going after here was worth pursuing. Yes. And then it's like when you buy a new car and you think, oh my God, I've got this great car. Nobody has it. And then you get out on the road the first <laughs> and day you see and it everywhere. got it. So 
I sell this, these products in my store, right? There's like five or six reps have come in over 20 years, you know, oh man, I'm going to crush it in here. There's, you know, there's not that much market. Second, I got onto e-commerce. There's like 500 brands <laughs> that sell hair growth. I was like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> However, you know, so now it's like that blue ocean. So it's all the separating myself from everyone else and all of that. But yeah, I thought, I thought I had a clearer path, but again, <laughs> it's always something. Yeah. So to that point, cause that's such a, an important point. Uh, a lot of people that, that I speak to or work with have an idea for an e-commerce uh, solution, but you know, they put up a website and then it's crickets, right? Because you're, you're in a needle in a haystack. So you mentioned, I think part of this needing to build your email list and build a following. Of course, I'm assuming you've leveraged the following you've built with strut and so forth. Is, yes. Has that been the key of what you've been able to leverage to get jump started and get found online? It was the key to proof of concept. So I'm very, very fortunate that I have 20 women per day per location that walk in that I can bounce stuff off of. So I right. wasn't in a silo by myself. Mm -hmm. um, online, not really. And I try not to exploit that group because they came to me for a wig, even though we do in our email marketing, you know, mention unveil, I don't take that for granted and over bombard them with that because that's not what they came to me for. Yeah, so it's not like you, it's not like you just tapped into that list. Um, you used them for prototyping, but then you had to build a new following for this product. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm very protective of my people. So I, sure. like I said, I didn't want to overstep what they had signed up for. Mm -hmm. So how did you get the word out? How did you build your new list? Uh, yeah. So um, I had a couple first hires. So the first person was a hired as, as a social media person. And, you know, I built out my org chart in my mind all the way through to my ultimate goal. And then I started filling in those positions. So first was social media, because we have to be on social, which was my girl, Jackie. Then I hired an SEO expert, someone to run my Shopify, someone to help build that. And, and then again, I had to go through two. As I mentioned, we missed last year's Black Friday, because the first company I hired that was actually a referral ended up dropping the ball. The website wasn't ready, which wow. ended up being fine because the product wasn't here anyway. Mm -hmm. so, so then I had to hire someone else just to build a Shopify website. And it's really not that like elaborate. I, it took me two people in like 10 months. Wow. So it's also managing expectations. So your people that don't have a business yet, or even that do, and like you're, you're making a change or something like just make a finish date as I always do, but be okay that some things are just out of your control. I'm not right. building the site. I can't control that, but and I get disappointed and all of that, but just know it's part of the process and you just have to kind of keep moving those timelines, which I don't like to do. But again, my superpowers finish. I'm a finisher. So we just keep on until we get it finished. And sometimes that's going to take a lot longer than you want, but don't stop. Like, that's why I was saying there's so many places I could have stopped with this and just felt defeated and like, what am I doing? But I just kept going. Yeah. When uh, So to talk about that for just a moment more, because it's so powerful, there, nonetheless, I'm sure that there might have been days or moments when you felt like giving up or you were down. What what do you turn to in those moments or whom do you turn to in those moments to get you out of that? Well, 
since, as I mentioned, my mom was in network marketing and, you know, that's a ton of no's. And like your mom, she sold Tupperware and everything else you can imagine. She introduced me to personal development from such a young age that I had such a good sense of self that um, I knew it wasn't about me. It was a circumstance and that that would pass from all of the stuff I would listen to those little tapes she would play in the car of Zig Ziglar back in the day, you know, so I, I was really good with it. Every no is going to just get me that much closer to a yes. Then you once figured I got, out, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. You figured out and because your expertise in sales, you figured out how to separate those two that a no or rejection is impersonal. And, uh, and, and you figured that out pretty early in life. It seems like. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very early. My whole life. Yes. Yeah. I was very lucky. That was, that was a gift that my mom gave me for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. If when someone I'm sure, well, you get it often comes to you say, Oh, I've got an idea for a product. Doesn't, doesn't have to be in hair care. I've got an idea for a product. Where do I start Helena? What, what do you usually offer as advice as to where they start for someone who has a product idea? What I did and do is I started the finish line and work backwards. So I did one of those culture index things where I learned my type of leadership is that I'm inductive. So I find where I'm trying to get and then I work backwards from there. And that will help to build out your plan. As I mentioned, the first thing I did was build out my org chart, though I couldn't hire all those people, didn't even know where to find some of those people. I built it and then I started plugging people in as I've gone over the last two years. And that's what I would do is just where are you trying to get and how can you back, go backwards from there to then actually go forward? Yeah, great, great advice. That makes a lot of sense. The other thing you shared earlier is you also leveraged that ability to prototype, to get feedback early in the development process, right? Yeah, if you're doing your own product, that's huge. Um, because you definitely want to have proof of concept. I had a, a mentor early on in this process, and he said, if you can't sell, oh, because my first initial order, I had to buy like 5,000 units, which oh to me just felt like, exactly, yeah. oh my, like that's a zillion. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he said to me, if you can't sell that, you don't have a business, you don't have a product. I see. And I said, challenge accepted. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, you definitely need to have people that can buy it and try it and give you feedback real time so you can make those tweaks before you make that big 5,000 piece initial investment because that's small fish to these manufacturers. I'm still right. super small in that world. Exactly. All right. But I want to explore this because this is so critical. When you're getting that feedback, the thing that I always uh, recommend caution on is that we got to make sure that we're not putting it in front of people that want to tell us what we think we want to hear, right? Yes. So how did you cut through the, all right, they're just, they just want to be nice to me because they know me versus I've gotten real opinion, real feedback. How did you navigate that? Well, again, I feel like I had an advantage because of the stores. So to your point, if you go to family and friends, of course, they're going to tell you it's amazing. I waited to go to my business networking groups and to my friend groups because one, if it didn't work, because I'm claiming I'm going to give you back some of your hair in 90 days. I didn't want to sample it on them and have them say your stuff doesn't work or, or it did work or whatever. I used customers that maybe I don't know because you just walked in my store today and I'm like, here, would you try this? I'll give it to you for free. So they had no interest in 
and what they said back to me as feedback because they weren't in my personal circle. So I waited two years before I spread it out to people I know. And one of the things I did is on my bottle, I signed it saying love Helena. Because, and then what I'll tell people is I even put my name on the bottle. Like I'm so confident in what this is. I put my name on it yeah, so right. that they knew I stand behind it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. family and friends, partners, yeah, they want to appease, they want to appease you. So I would try to find people that you don't know, like a therapist type of thing where they're a third party disinterested and you can pay for that. I've been very lucky. I didn't have to, but there are like perception studies and all of that where you can pay companies and send your product and they'll do test groups. And then that way you get neutral feedback. Yeah. Excellent. Great advice. Uh, that's what I found yeah. to be the case as well. All right. Uh, let's yeah. just pause for a moment here. You've got a special offer for our listeners on a sale you've got on or a special you've got going on on this product, right? Yeah. So um, for your listeners, because I'm just so thrilled to be on in your show, um, I've listened to quite a few episodes. It's amazing and such a gift. And I wish I had found something like that when I was first um, like this, when I was first starting. I wanted to give them a code, Henry, if they put it into our discount bar, when you go to unveilhaircare.com, you can uh, purchase any of our products. And when you put that in, we're going to give you 20% off your first order. Excellent. And we're going to have that run for about 30 days from the day we release this episode, which will be here on the 27th. Um, if you're listening to this within that time frame, take advantage of this opportunity. And so tell us, what is the product that they're going to get this discount on? This is the uh, first line of restorative hair care products that you've released to the market, correct? Yeah. So we launched with um, three products. So we have our hero product, which is our hair growth serum. So this will help to regrow your hair. It helps to uh, stop shedding. And it also helps with breakage. So within 90 days, because that's how long it takes every hair to go through a hair growth cycle, you should see a difference in the shedding stopping in new hair. You can start seeing new hair sprouting. And then if you're a female like myself and you color your hair, a lot of times we get breakage around the face. You'll notice the breakage stops. And then we have a scalp brush that you can put in the shower. I keep it by my bed. And you just massage your scalp and number one, it feels good. But what it does is it actually stimulates blood flow because most of the time our blood is going down to our stomach. So it's digesting food instead of actually nourishing our follicles and it's getting rid of any debris. So when you spray the product, it actually goes in and can get into your bloodstream and work from there. So uh, interesting. Um, I want to go back to, did you have to go through any kind of uh, certification or process to be able to make the claims of the product and what it does? What, what was the process there, Helena? Yeah, so I have, I've had a couple different attorneys. I have like five of them on staff. Um, <laughs> so I have one that's, it's called scrubbing your labels. And so what they do is any claim that we make on there, we can prove and back it up. I'm also doing those um, perception studies, as I was saying, my, even my own self from a third party so that that way, um, on our next round of product we have come out, it will say, you know, 70% of users experienced more hair growth. So we I can see. legally actually put that on our products. And then the factory that I use. So we have organic certifications. They have all the certifications from the, um, from the formulators, uh, uh, you know, from where the product comes from. So then we can show that as well. Like we're looking at getting in whole foods now. And that's one of the things that my PR team was, Hey, we need 
you know, the certificates and all that to prove it's organic and everything. And I'm like, sure, no problem. So then I email over there and they send me the certificates and so forth. I see. I see. Have you had any challenges? And I don't know of any, but I know in other categories, like I, have, I had a client who did uh, garage door repairs and Google, for some reason, considers that a high risk category. Have you had any of those challenges with with promoting online this product? Yes, um, we can't. You can't say we have to be very careful with your before and afters. You're not supposed to say grows hair because that's a medical claim. So it's thicker, fuller, stronger hair, all these super generic things, which just, you know, kills me when I'm trying to run an ad or something because, (laughs) you know, I want to say X, Y, Z. So I do have a legal team and it's worth it to pay that money now because from what I've learned, there's so many people that are looking to sue. Mm, you'll right. you'll you'll wipe your business out before you even started. It's better to go slow and and spend that money up front, which is what I'm doing, than to make a claim and just get it the wrong person gets a hold of it and you owe hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. I didn't even think about that issue, which I, I know existed. I, I was even just thinking, you know, you don't want Google to ban your account, but yes, that's unfortunately that's out there for us as business owners that are people that are just looking for reasons to slap you with a lawsuit. I mean, and that goes for everything yeah. from, you know, you misused an image to your situation where you're making a product claim. We have to be so careful with that. And to your point, invest in the right guidance to hopefully avoid or mitigate those situations. Yeah. And like listening to your podcast is something like that too. And having all of us on here share, there's so much feedback that you can get that. And a lot of times it's once something's happened to us. So it saves you from it happening to you by listening to us. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Um, We'll start to summarize it here. Now, as an entrepreneur, you've been a business owner for quite some time now. I'm always curious as to what it does for you. Why is it that you're a business owner? You know, you had mentioned early on, obviously with your daughter and the story you told about going to her event and Macy's not allowing you to, and that could have been anybody. So we're not picking on Macy's, but when you work <laughs> for someone else, you, they control your schedule yeah. to an extent. That was a big yeah. thing for me. And why I transitioned, what I wanted to transition out of the corporate world is I couldn't, I just couldn't live with, you only have X amount of vacation a year, even though I may not use it. I just didn't like somebody controlling me. Right. But that flexibility yeah. of time for me, it was huge that I got to go to all of those events for my daughter as she was growing up. So I got to think that's one of it, but, but tell me more, what, what is it that it does for you to be a business owner? Well, at this point, I think I'm unemployable. <laughs> Probably. No, I've, there's no doubt. Yeah. I have been on my own too long, but right. what kept me going is just to your point is I controlled it. And I think a lot of people are afraid to have, all that control on yourself. I do those self talks in the mirror, you know, Hey, like if sales are down or something, you know, you look at yourself and the the buck stops with you. And that's a lot of self accountability and I'm accountable to myself. So I knew that this was the way I could take care of her and myself at the level I wanted to. And even my mom with all the wonderful things I said that she's done, which are true when I first started strut and I was in that store, you know, 60 hours a week and all this stuff, she's, she would tell me, well, if you'd go to work for someone else, you'd make so much more money. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but you're missing it. It's not about the money. It's about Layla's like right next to me right now. I didn't have to put her in daycare. Like, like you and your daughter, I didn't miss a cheerleading match. 
I, if I want to close, I know I'm losing that money, but it was worth it to me. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's why I stayed at it. And then now that she's graduated, moved out, you know, she's 26 now. That's how I was able to start Unveiled too, because she graduated college. I can work 24 seven now. I don't have those responsibilities. So sometimes like I just actually told someone with small children the other day, I said, you might not be able to do it now, but once she left, my business went through the roof. But for me, when she was little as a single mom, she was more important. So I was okay to have less and maybe have my, be hungry when I go to bed, but she ate Yeah. and then be okay, you know, for later. And now my later came and yep. it comes. It's a sacrifice you're willing to make. So very inspirational. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, resonates very much. All right. I'm always looking for a book recommendation. There, there, I know we you mentioned a book uh, that may not necessarily be about business, but I see where it applies. <laughs> but tell me about the book that you read recently that you would recommend. Yeah. And I was telling you, I just got a copy for my mom. It's um, The Longevity Diet by Victor Longo. And What's resonating for me is now, like I said, you know, the kids out, I'm in my forties and I'm like, okay, everybody keeps talking about, you know, living longer and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to live a long time and be crippled or tired or, you know, unhealthy. And then I started learning about your health span versus your lifespan. And I was like, well, what's a health span? Mm -hmm. And then it goes over, you know, how to keep your energy. As I said, is one of my superpowers is I've got a ton of energy, which my staff laughs and calls me the energizer bunny. Cause I just <laughs> go until I like knock out at night and I don't want to lose that. And it felt like that was coming because as you're getting older, you know, things are going to change. And I'm like, I don't buy that that doesn't have to be my way. And this guy talks about the blue zones and how to eat right and how to fit your workouts in. Because when I do that stuff, I show up better for my team and then they're inspired. And I've, and they've told me that ever since I read this and started, you know, packing my lunch and they're like, wow, that's so great. And I'm like, exactly. You know, you can do it too. And everybody's trying to get healthier now. So it's been pretty good. Yeah. Excellent. Great recommendation. And of course, like you're pointing out, there's that connection. I think that sometimes what I see, especially when people are starting their business and making sacrifices, they sacrifice too much as far as their health goes. And we need it. Like you pointed out, it takes a lot of energy to start a business and to grow a business. So you got to be at your best. And part of that is, of course, taking care of yourself. Yeah. And I did that during COVID. I stopped working out I started eating more ice cream because that was my comfort food. <laughs> and then I started feeling it, you mm -hmm. know, and I'm like, you can't do it. Plus I'm in my forties. So you can't lose it a week later either. Like you could in your twenties. Right. I'm That's like, right. oh no. So yeah. And, and you forget that your team is watching you, not necessarily what you say, but what you do. And so it's really important that they see that you take care of themselves because how much does it cost us when our team calls out for sick day? Right you know, clients, you know, you have to clear their books or whatever. Like it's really to our benefit that they're healthy too. That's right. Or even if they do show up, are they showing up with their best self, right? Are they, are right. they in the right mood to, to provide the customer service that you're expecting? So it, it takes all of that because it does take an energy to do that. Yes. Uh, yeah. Great stuff. Well said. All right. We'll start to wrap it up. Helena, what, what's, if we had to summarize what one takeaway you want to stake from this conversation that we had, mostly about this journey and how you've gotten through it and the sacrifices that you've made, 
So for someone listening, what's one thing you would say you would want us to take away from this conversation? Just keep going, you know, and, and, and where are you in life? As you pointed out and you brought me back to Manhattan Motors, why didn't you, you know, keep going with that? Cause it was more life stuff. Actually, I would have, I could have kept that business another 20 years. It was my lifestyle. It didn't fit my lifestyle. And the biggest thing I've learned after all these years is my lifestyle is more important. And now it took me a few, a, a, a couple years to figure that out. Cause with that auto repair shop, that auto repair shop was my life. And then I realized it was affecting my relationship with my baby. So now when I, even with unveil, if I grow, grow slower, I'm okay with that because at this point, I'm not going to work 80 hours a week. Like I used to, I, that's just, it's just not motivating for me. I do it because I love it and that's enough to keep me going. Yeah. Well said such a great and powerful point because, um, I always say this, the business has to serve you, not the other way around. Now, it gets confusing because certainly regardless of what business we started, in my experience, it's you got to give it a lot to get it started, right? Got to yes. make a lot of sacrifices. But it, but at some point, it's got to be in alignment with is it serving you and your lifestyle, which is what you've articulated so so well. And and that's what we have to continue to look at. That's what we have to be passionate about is that that we're getting out of the business and it supports our lifestyle. Or it will, because even with Unveil right now, I definitely still do work more than I want to, but I know it's just, it's like I said, it's in its toddler stage. That's right. It's a baby. So yeah. it needs me, but That's then right. they grow up. And so if it keeps needing you all the time, you don't actually own a business, you own a job. So yes. you have to really set that, those boundaries that, Hey, is this going to take me where I want to go? It's okay to give it for a few years, like dating, right? Give it all you got. But eventually, you know, we've got to start. I got to start getting something back too. Yeah. Well said. All right. Tell us where you want us to go online again, to take advantage of that offer. Again, there's a, a, a coupon code Henry. Uh, if you're not where you can write that down, I'll have that on the show notes page for this episode, but tell us the website again, to learn more about the product and take advantage of that offer. Sure. It's um, unveilhaircare.com. Excellent. Helena, this has been a wonderful conversation. We could talk for another couple of hours because this is what I'm passionate about is talking about business. Thanks for being so transparent and sharing your journey. Very inspirational. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for having me. And I really hope it helps someone. I am quite confident that it will. Uh, this is Henry Lopez. And thanks for joining me on this episode of The How of Business. My guest again today was Helena Gibson. I release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts including my YouTube channel, the How of Business YouTube channel, and my website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information about our coaching programs, online courses, show notes pages, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.